0: The following tale of alien encounters is true, and by true I mean false. It's all lies, but they're entertaining
1: lies, and in the end isn't that the real truth? The answer
2: is no.
0: And uh, Without further ado, hello and welcome once again, uh, folks. This is giving the mic to the wrong person. I am your host, Jeremy, joined by a collection of, of old friends here on a extremely warm um, late summer Portland evening. Tonight is a bit of it's a bit of a throwback episode. As I think going back to the very first uh, very first episode of this show that I ever recorded way back. Um <laughs> back before the dark times uh in july, I think it was july of of uh, twenty sixteen, and uh as we 're doing this as kind of like a bit of a follow up to our previous a previous episode with a collection of guests and so I wanted to um let 's see first um well, uh, we're we're talking X Files tonight, ladies and gentlemen. If you heard our, if you heard the talk we had with uh, with Ben Burgess some months ago, and it was brought up, and it turns out that multiple people involved in that conversation were more than a little eager to really want to talk about the X Files for more than an hour. So I said, "Why not?" So I want to, uh, if, if I could see uh, everybody, everybody uh, first, all the folks in the room, and, uh, if you could introduce yourself to the viewing audience. And then we'll have our special guest on the line go. Uh, so who wants to go first?
3: Uh, I'll go first. Uh, I'm Don. I was the person who was, you filmed episode zero with, the test episode all those years ago, before the dark times, back when conspiracy theories were still a lot more fun than they seem today. <laughs> I'm sort of an all-purpose geek. I've been involved in convention running, forum running, online and offline fandom for longer than I care to think about.
0: Tends to work with that. <laughs>
4: Uh, My name is Kendra Luisa Herrera. I refer to myself as your friendly neighborhood union staffer. I uh, am not a geek, actually. X-Files is like the only thing that I like that's science fiction related. I went to, what is it? I flew to Tampa last year to go to, um, it was a horror convention, and I skipped everything and I only went to the X-Files stuff. Like oh. I will go, yeah. Like I will avoid other stuff because I don't, because I get obsessive, right? In the same way that I got obsessive mm-hmm. about the X Files, and I'm like, you know what? No, I'm, I'm. I work. I do socialism in my free time. I watch the X Files. It's pretty much it. I'm pretty one note as a
0: person. Which, um, how much, how much X Files stuff was there?
4: Uh, well, they were the sent. They uh, had a what do you call it? Not a panel discussion, but they spoke on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of uh, I don't know in terms of convention terms. I haven't been to that many, but it, they were kind of the equivalent of the keynote. Yeah,
0: the key- the main. Dr- they were the top of the card, the main draw.
4: Yeah, yeah. And then um, before them was Elvira, and I actually sat there for that. And I, awesome. I was, yeah, yeah. She's super nice. Mm-hmm.
0: That was one. Cool. And on the line, a special guest, could you introduce yourself to the viewing audience?
2: My name is Ben Burgess. I was on the podcast before talking about my book, Give Them an Argument, Logic for the Left – which has nothing to do with the X Files. It's an unfortunate oversight that there's nothing about the X Files in there. But the X Files came up in passing in the conversation. And there's a lot of interest that was that was expressed uh, in coming back and, and doing an X Files only episode. And so I have not had a lot of time. I think that like some of these some of the episodes we might be talking about. I know talking to you, Jeremy, that you've you've actually been doing quite a bit of prep watching for this. Between the beginning of the semester and other things, I've been totally swamped. So I haven't. I'm just going to have to fall back on my memories of, you know, watching it for the last 20 years. But I have been prepping by listening to Camille Nanjani's podcast, The X Files Files, because I can listen to that while I'm commuting to campus. And I think that one, like, you know interesting thing to talk about i know there was going to be some discussion about you know ways in which the show might be racist and things like that but i, th- I think there is something really interesting about the way that the like basic dynamic of the show right the, the heart of it is the molder scully relationship and that one in terms of gender and other things does play with some stereotypes in some interesting ways since the skeptical rationalist is the female quasi-religious catholic and the uh, and the guy who believes absolutely everything about absolutely everything uh, is the deeply secular uh, Jewish male, which is, you know, obviously not the way that, you know, not the sort of formulaic way to do that. So I thought that was interesting. I thought I would, you know, start by throwing that out there.
3: And the camera angles also get on the action because Scully is a lot of times framed in ways you'd normally only see a man framed. And Mm -hmm. also Mulder sometimes has a soft focus on him. In some scenes, I'm trying to figure out if his skin is actually that smooth or if they're using (laughs) a filter. Because I'm a photographer, so I can often pick up on those things. But I'm watching, I'm trying to figure out which it is.
0: I just, uh, yeah I can't remember. I just remember just seeing what watching um I acquired some HD uh, transfers of because I think we prepped to watching all the the Darren Morgan episodes just so we had have a bit of a focus and there was a couple of them because they're HD transfers and you can really tell the uh, um it's one of those things like, I couldn't uh, there's like a shot of Mulder's face that was from the texture I couldn't tell that was his uh, was you know showing his skin texture or if that was or if that was film grain. But that's the uh, like I said, uh, HD video, folks. It's a it's a, it's a marvel.
4: If I could kind of address, because it, it seems in broad strokes that that show was like racist as fuck. <laughs> At least in the not maybe not intentionally, but that's kind of what you have when you have like all your writers are white dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, you had a couple of female writers and um, there was a couple of stories I always have 50 tabs open on my computer and this one I think I closed but it was about how even the female writers weren't paid as much and they weren't respected as much and this was mm-hmm. kind of a uh, it was an issue for Gillian Anderson yeah. consistently throughout the mm-hmm. career being paid as much as David Duchovny and um, like I, it seems apparent to me I've watched the series now probably all the way through twice at this point point. Wow, um, and the episodes that feature like ethnic characters, they're they're in the show. They're in that episode specifically because that, that episode is about Africans or it is about Mexicans or whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, if you look at uh, there's an episode Talico, uh, uh, and that's <laughs> that one has continental Africans, um, continental African migrants in it, and in that shows about disease. Right, and they're only God on bless the '90s,
0: yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and
4: they—they even the actors in that show were only cast because they need Africans, right? Yeah. There's uh, El Mundo Guerra, which is—that's the one with uh, the episode with El Chupacabra, and they are like caricatures, right? It's supposed to be—it's kind of—it's supposed to be kind of a sympathetic portrayal, but because its its, it's kind of written by like these uh well-meaning probably white liberals Mm -hmm. it comes across really they're they're just kind of caricatures um and
3: also if you speak japanese in the episode where they have japanese on screen or anything like that they don't distinguish between japanese and chinese right yeah (laughs) in the writing like if you actually know the language and the cultures at all it's like yeah you're kind of doing a pan-asian thing here not this is not specifically japanese here
0: what in terms of like the, what the spoken stuff is or are Japanese characters like speaking like Cantonese or something or? Uh, writing. Oh, okay. When there
3: was actual writing on the show in the background and things, it would be like, this is Japanese, Mulder. No, that's that's not Japanese. Those characters do not exist in Japanese.
4: Right. But it doesn't matter, right? Because it's like they just wanted the, well, okay, there's another episode called uh, Hell Money and that's the one where it takes place in kind of Little China. It's the mm-hmm. one I believe with the um, with the organs. And that's you know they just cast Asian people because they mm-hmm. just needed Asians, right? Yep. And this is kind of the later episodes. This is in the eighth season. There's um, Badla, and I don't know if I'm saying it right, but it's like that's the the one with the little Indian guy, and he just like crawls up inside people. Mm-hmm. And again, he's kind of representative of this disease that you know that comes out of India. And so, mm-hmm. it just seems like I'm I struggle to think of an example of a person of color who's on that show that wasn't cast specifically because they're representing an entire race and because it's, you know, it has something to do with the mythology of that particular country. Because at some point you're going to have to reach out. There's only so much folklore that you can pull from in terms of U.S. culture, right? you got to go and scare people from other cultures. But when you're doing it with black and brown people, then it has a certain... it has racial overtones that um, are are quite distasteful, and the only the only folks that I can think of that were cast that weren't cast just because they were black or brown or Asian or whatever, were assholes. You have I forgot his name, the black guy who came in. Uh, he replaced Skinner when Skinner got removed, mm-hmm. and he was just like a total dick. Yeah, and he kind of he kind of uh, what is it? Um, he does the right thing in the end, uh, which I assume we're...
0: Assuming we're going to be doing spoiler alerts in this show. Yeah, it's a, we're talking about a series that ended initial production 16 years ago?
4: Yeah, was 2000. Oh, let me see. I was in high school. I cried that day. No, I didn't <laughs> cry. I was just very so sad. It was, it's it, like was defi- it was
2: definitely after 2001. I'm 100% sure about that. Right. Because right. it was, I remember in the last episode, of God, I guess spoiler alert, but I really wouldn't recommend watching it to the bitter end. The last episode. Uh, they talked about, like, Mulder had, like, shot a super soldier or something, and he was being tried by some sort of secret government tribunal. Right. And, like, they were explaining what it was. They mentioned the Patriot Act because, you know, TV shows that were, like, you know, just a little bit after 9-11, like, always sort of mentioned that, like, as the kind of to explain whatever creepy government stuff was going on.
4: Right, yeah.
3: Well, yeah, was, absolutely right. It was a plot point in a way because the show dealt with procedures of the U.S. government a lot. Uh, Should I explain my really terrible X-Files drinking game at this point? Sure. (laughs) Watch early X-Files episodes, and every time Scully says, but Mulder, the government can't do that, and it's something the government now openly does. (laughs) Our government, by the way, the American government, now openly does. You take a shot.
1: Mulder, you're nuts.
3: There's a two-parter involving a missing Air Force pilot, which is really rough for
4: this game. Right. (laughs) You will be
3: smashed by the end.
4: Yeah, if you watch Mulder, he does not give a shit about civil liberties. Like, he's constantly breaking into oh, shit yeah. and, you know, getting tapes and all kinds of stuff that he should not be. Like, he, he would have so many uh, citizens complain. I don't even know what the process would be to file a complaint with, this, with the FBI. But Well,
3: he never has to do anything involving the well, courts. there you go.
2: Nobody else does either. That's why he gets away with it.
3: Right? Yeah, everyone <laughs> just, like, the, the monsters go away or people dies. He never has to bring any cases to court.
2: Well, <laughs> and in fact, I, actually, so come to think of it... Um, One of the few times they even teased you with the idea that Mulder might face consequences for of that was in one of my all-time favorite episodes from the uh, fifth season, Bad Blood, Mm -hmm. uh, which is the one where uh, it has, well, first of all, it has the best teaser ever. It starts out before the opening credits uh, with Mulder chasing somebody through the woods, pitting him down on the ground driving a stick through his heart, opening up his mouth, showing vampire teeth. He's like, aha! And then the teeth come out because they're, like, plastic. He's like, oh, shh! And then, like, it goes to the credits. Oh, shh! And in that episode, not quite clear what consequences, but there's some talk of, like, the loved ones suing the fbi or something and he seems nervous like about what the consequences will be i actually remember when this originally aired because i was in like my high school uh government class the next day where you know and like people before class were talking about it but it's the it's the episode structure around like Mulder like saying how he remembers everything and scully saying how she remembers everything and like there's the, sh- like, local sheriff who Scully thought was really handsome. He remembers having buck teeth, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, but that, of course, they tease you with the idea that there'd be consequences. But then later in the episode, of course... Uh, they walk him back know- or- yeah yeah well well he was a turns out that guy really was a vampire right. after all so the body disappears and they're called back to the town so like you know you never you know you never like his consequence of him like murdering this guy i'm like clearly which is obviously the kind of thing Mulder would be doing all the time because he acts very impulsively he his standards of evidence are not great you know uh he's a dick so, to but,
4: local police that's like consistent throughout the show mm-hmm.
2: yeah yeah
0: absolutely yeah, yeah it's kind of the um in, yeah in every other any other like cop genre piece he would be the he would be the the big you know just the big dog coming in you know just the, the dick who comes in and big dogs everybody's like okay this is a this is our this is our jurisdiction now or something like that and was, yeah. uh, the feds are always worse than the uh, folksy local uh, law enforcement
3: mm-hmm. yeah he should have one of those pieces of paper that just says I know more than you because <laughs> that's how he acts a lot of the time
4: I went to Cambridge fuckers You know what's funny? Okay, so there's another thing on the show. Well, first, I'm not. Let me finish with the racist thing because it's so evident. So, okay. So, even in their new seasons, even the one, I think it's called. I don't remember what it's called. It's it's the it's called Jihad for the love of God. That's what it's called. <laughs> and so it's about Islamic terrorists. And it's a it's a hilarious episode because you get to see Mulder on LSD and he has this wild. You guys know what I'm talking about, right?
0: You guys I, didn't seen see that the, I, I didn't see the I didn't see the, the, the only the ep- only the only revived uh, v- revival episode I saw was the uh, the one that had uh, both Kumail and they in the one that had references oh, the, to uh, Kolchak.
4: Okay, yeah, that one's uh, yeah, that was really good. But you know, even the one about. <laughs> Arabs are only—you know—they're only cast on the show, so they could be terrorists. You have a sympathetic mm-hmm. mother; it's—it's it's just terrible. And like, they don't—it's like um, nine seasons to uh, uh, movies of racism, and they, they still kind of don't learn their lesson. Um, no, they, they don't, and you know, please do go on about this
3: because I have about five pages of notes of problems with the season <laughs> ten episode that we'll be covering about how they handled having a trans character on it. Yeah. Oh my I've god! Got, yeah, I've got that pages was. Pages of notes on this. So. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, I was going to say, I don't know if this makes, <laughs> if this makes it better or worse. I will say that they, the way that like, you know, different cultures who are mined as sources of you know creepy mythology are portrayed in really cliched ways certainly isn't any better for cultures of american white people uh, so i'm thinking for example of the uh, the mountain man I, I don't remember when this was in the show but like i remember there was like some like mountain man who is coming down and using like folk magic against this family and like there's a scene where he's in the hotel and he's using the microwave popcorn and he's like i heard tell this was like god's own ray I'm blanking on or, this. So, like, in, like so,
0: in effectively, any culture that wasn't kind of like elite coastal, uh, coastal, cosmopolitan,
2: liberal. Ex- w- ex- exactly. In fact, mm. one of the episodes I remember finding the most viscerally disturbing when I watched it. I don't remember where this was. I think like somewhere in like season three through five around there. But the uh, was the one about the, um, the the old the Confederate family. Do you know what I'm talking about?
4: Oh,
3: home. yes, that yeah. one. Yes, that one.
4: Okay, yeah, that one's fucked up. That one, that was yeah. the only one that's like actually resonated. I was like, wow, this is creepy as shit. I did not like this
3: one. Yeah, uh, On one of the Darren Morgan episodes, "Humbug," which was the earliest one. Uh, they keep doing this thing where Mulder and Scully make a statement, and then when the local townspeople who actually are living this experience have a rejoinder, but then Mulder always gets the last word.
2: Uh.
3: They keep kind of doing this thing where like Mulder is somehow always the most woke
4: on everything. He well, right. That's why. I mean, like Scully. If, if any of this shit were it's hard to describe this scully should be right in every Mm -hmm. single episode it's like no it's science there it's not a fucking vampire it's not a fucking werewolf it's not an oilian getting into your going into your body through your eyes it's just science, there's something in the water, or that type of thing. So if this were real life, Scully would be right every single fucking episode. But because it's the x Files, despite her, uh, her vast knowledge of or uh, scientific understanding of the world, she's always somehow wrong.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, which is, so I remember on the Camille Nanjiani podcast uh, said that apparently the writers were originally talking about, like, kind of doing it like half and half, like things would turn out to be real or like, you know, the sort of Scooby-Doo hoax episodes. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then like they kind of quickly realized that like the hoax episodes don't really work, you know, so they decided not to do those. So, um, so yeah, pretty much consistently Scully is wrong about everything, which, you know, it, there's a certain point in the show where it starts to get less and less plausible that like, she's just sticking to her guns That, like, after, like, the 500th time that, you know, she just, you know, she was, you know, she was passed out. She was on the other room when, you know, they saw the werewolves or the aliens. You know, it it kind of seems like, well, in this world, the rational thing to do would be to ease up a little bit about how none of this exists. Right
0: this it's one of the, it's one of the things that i always like about when the um especially when they when they when they the, the trope and when they break the trope the trope of the uh disbelieving authority figure in that's been in genre entertainment shit since at least i don't know how long but it's you know either like the teen you know the, the 50s teens find something and the, the adult figures or like the local sheriff doesn't believe them and you keep and it turns out they're always proven wrong and it was not until God, I can't remember if it's um, it's been it, at some point that they flip the trope, and it's it, I think they did this thing even like Stephen King stories where like at one point the cop was, like fully aware to like yeah there's uh, we've seen fuckery around here and it's fully you know has it has a history of uh, being exposed to the stuff that they really believe that yeah this could be some weird shit.
3: The genre savvy car- character, they know what type of show they're in. Yeah. The only episode I can think of where Scully was right was one of the ones where she was in the hospital, and there was the nurse who turned out to not exist. Because God was watching over her. It was an angel.
2: Right.
4: Which uh, d- uh Towards what... Like, is this the middle of the series? Middle or? of the series, yeah. She goes to the hospital
3: and she's like, I want to talk to nurse so-and-so who looked after me so much when I was dying. Hmm. And she didn't exist. Right. And then there's a close-up <laughs> of the cross.
4: Oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah. The, so, right. Even the, the... What is it? The supernatural explanation does extend to, like, you know, the religious episodes because she is a practicing Catholic. Mm-hmm. But I think... So what happened with it, she's always wrong, right? And so she, at some point in the series, kind of becomes, she abandons her skepticism and does become a believer. And so I suspect, and I don't think that, um, I listen to all of the Kumail Nanjiani X-Files Files podcasts, and they don't explicitly talk about this, but I suspect that part of the reason why Mulder left the show is because his char- character wasn't really evolving, like he still uh-huh. believed all the same crazy shit at the beginning of the series mm-hmm. as he did towards the end. Well, he's always right. There's no arc to have when he starts out right about things. Right, right. And so, like at the, I think it was, like maybe around season six when he's probably thinking about leaving. That they kind of give his character like, okay, well, you you can you can believe in this stuff, but it can't be blind belief. He's like at some con talking, you know, some next mm-hmm. X um, Files.
0: UFO convention it was a meta
4: show yeah it was a UFO convention and he's like well you know we just can't blindly believe in this stuff and so they kind of made his character a little bit flexible in that regard because he was probably complaining Mm -hmm. because Gillian Anderson she had won a Golden Globe for her portrayal of when when Scully had cancer Uh, and that was particularly like uh, what's his name Chris Carter when he wants to write flowery language homeboy can put down some poetry he can do monologue very well um, so anyway, she ends up getting like a Golden Globe. She gets nominated for something else and then David Duchovny doesn't win anything because his character is just pretty one-dimensional in that sense. Um, and so she even said, like, even her character in one of the episodes said, you know, somebody could tell you the truth is in the middle of uh, the desert and you'd grab this shovel and just start digging. And so I suspect that's... Like, one at some point, when you have the believer and the skeptic, one of those... Dynamics has to change, or they have to flip, or something like that, because it it gets tired.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: but that's the. I mean, I think the problem is that yeah, at some point it does have to change, right? Like it, it gets ridiculous that like you know in you know that like it would have been it was already pretty ridiculous by the time that Scully you know changed, stopped being a skeptic, that she was still a skeptic, but. The problem is that that's kind of when the show started to not be as good because because uh, like I think that as ridiculous as a god and you do kind of need that dynamic,
4: right? Yeah. Well, they were supposed to stop at season five. Like that, the movie it would have was been supposed a much better end. idea. Yeah, yeah. The movie was supposed to be the end of the series, uh, but well, you know, fucking at, Fox. At,
2: at the movie ending totally worked as an end of the series. You know that like because that is like it does end with Scully. You know at least. Briefly, you know, at least seeming to like open up a little bit about the, you know, uh the skepticism, and you know, and it's it certainly seems like as much of an end as you were ever going to get, you know. So, and I mean, like they had great episodes after that, but like, yeah, in retrospect, that would have been a much better idea. I
0: was going to say, I'm just kind of curious to see, um, Ron. It, it's similar to, um, it's what's one of those things that kind of highlights the difference re- between. Um, like '90s American television, which hadn't made that switch yet, because up until HBO started, be, you know, putting out you know premium TV or whatever you want to call it, which adopted the British model, which me- which is more novelistic than the kind of a, like having a writers' room that churned out. That was, you know, a TV show that was that was d- that was kind of like hell bent for syndication, which means we need to have an entire writers' room churning out, like you know, like fucking the episodes of Next Generation where they had like, tw- you know, twenty-four to twenty-six episodes a season, which just seems insane now. But it's like now it's, um, you know, at least most series are like, yeah, you do you do the British model that, to their credit, Comedy Central picked up for before anybody else did of like realizing, yeah, we do you know, and our shows will only do like ten to thirteen episodes, so you can you can have a. a um, a much higher degree of quality control, and
3: people like mm-hmm. to rewatch good TV. I mean, X Files sits in this interesting place with TV and rewatchability, because as I said in your very first episode, uh, X Files came out before season box sets were a thing. When there were first home video, home, you know, home video releases for the show, it was these little VHS tapes things where it was like one or two, two episodes. episodes, yeah. It was was like-
0: Now on video, open your eyes, dare to believe, prepare for the second encounter. Own the newest classic episodes, The X-Files, two uncut digitally mastered files on each tape. Own it while you can.
2: Two two episodes each, and they'd have like a... Three VHS. Yeah,
3: six episodes per season was all you... If you missed it, if you didn't have something to record for you, you only had those six episodes you could buy per season. I remember those. And then through rewatchability, we had the Netflix revival, which was supposed to find, which the as a finally an ending and resolution to the show. And that didn't really happen. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, they oh, ugh, fucking Fox. They, well, first of all, I'm a perfect example of why the British series like not that it doesn't work, but you're not leveraging all of the money that you can out of your audience, because I would I would literally watch an episode of the X-Files of Mulder and Scully doing their taxes like I fuck I love this shit. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I watched it till the bitter end. Mm-hmm. But because it's so personal to me, I mean, you can't, in my mind, you can't untangle the X-Files, me watching the X-Files at home with, at, at the very least, my early teens. I loved it so much.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, even, that's the thing, it's, like, it's because we have, we're so good at association, it's kind of, um, you can't, uh, if you're of a certain demographic, you can't separate Star Wars from your childhood. Mm-hmm. If you're of a certain demographic, in my case, the the, the Simpsons debuted when I was, 13 years old and, pri- and kind of like, and so like the golden years were like, you know, from like my ages of like 13 through... I don't know 20 uh, you know 20 something and it was kind of like that was and you know, I was of the generation that, that where that just obsessively watched it and taped it and you know shared tapes of it and all sorts of stuff and it was kind of it was like first the Simpsons a couple years later I finally got access to Comedy Central and taping and trading MST3K that was just kind of like format so you, now and then going back to watch those tapes again it's like kind of like you can't separate who you were or what was going on uh, from the time you, you experienced then
2: yeah, I mean the X Files is definitely the nineties the for me. Yeah, in fact I can't really separate the experience of watching the X Files from the experience of watching the Simpsons because uh 'cause for years uh those were the um uh you know, Simpsons was at eight and the X Files was at nine and like I'd usually watch whatever garbage they put in between, you know, uh <laughs> since I was like watching TV for two hours, you know, two hours straight. But I mean like that was the uh, you know, that was the Sunday night uh ritual and, in fact, they even did have the, uh, the Simpsons uh, X-Files crossover episode. That was a, um... Yes.
1: Wait a minute, Scully. What's the point of this test? No point. I just thought he could stand to lose a little weight.
2: His jiggling is almost hypnotic.
1: Yes. It's like a lava lamp.
2: Yeah, it was yeah, the, a... Uh, when I, was
0: that? That was, that was ni- the 96th, ninety seven season because that w- that one aired when I was a junior in undergrad. And I just remember that because that was the uh, I bring you love um, <laughs> Mr. Burns episode. And they but did
4: a crossover with Cops, too. And that was a terrific
0: episode. Cops in Springfield.
1: Bad Cops,
0: Bad Cops. Oh, yeah. Dad, that, I don't... See, I don't yeah. remember. That's... Yeah, that's pretty good, though. Well, um, one thing... Let's... How about this... Um, let's let's rewind a little bit and can can we go around can you talk about what what kind of like how you um how you got into the show like or like what really kind of like you know made it click
3: i've been pointed out, so i guess it's me um i've just always been a geek i've always loved urban fantasy and you know this was a geek thing being made to you know good production values so i loved it you know i just it's i was predisposed to love the sort of thing
0: so -hmm. yeah top-notch production values they shot on film they lit uh unlike with unlike with next generation they lit it for film they didn't light it for for video so
3: well kim manners
0: yeah the uh yeah
3: the genius you know can you explain
0: can you explain who kim manners were for the three people in the audience who
3: (laughs) okay so kim manners who's actually referenced in some darren morgan episodes actually two separate episodes was a director uh but he was also just basically a lighting genius he uh dealt with the lighting for the show the filters he was very obsessed about camera work and he created the u- unique look both for the x files and also for supernatural
1: mm-hmm.
4: which is what super dark that's really what it, it's almost like borderline frustrating to watch at home because it's so fucking darker at least me i have vision problems
1: mm-hmm.
2: but What's
4: it sh- but it is notable for that sense yeah. That is just super duper dark. And then I something I noticed is that even the the characters, even the way that they're wardrobed really still like you don't watch it. It's not like watching Friends or something like that. We're clearly like they're not wearing the latest fashion. They're just like boring ass FBI agents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stop. Um,
0: yeah, stop cl- yeah, gray suit, blue suit.
4: Right, exactly. Um, even the casual is just like jeans and, like a green sweater, you know. But anyway, to get to your question, I started watching it because I just had the hugest fucking crush on David Duchovny, which um, which later turned into, uh, you know, a huge crush on on Scully's character, um, who is far more remarkable to me throughout that whole series than he was. He's just kind of a rich kid. He's like kind of a whiny rich kid in my mind. But that's really why I started watching it. I just had a big crush on him. And then the more I watched it, I was like, oh, wow, this is actually a really smartly written show. Watching it when I was like thirteen or fourteen years old, I probably I didn't I wasn't able to follow like the whole storyline the story arc with the Oilians. I didn't entirely it didn't make sense to me. In retrospect, as an adult, it doesn't make sense to me, right? Because they switch the stories and then they go to the Super Soldier toward the end and. Then it mm-hmm. becomes apparent there's like several species of aliens going on in this universe and stuff like that. Yeah, um, your,
0: show, your show's gone on uh, like gone on a few t- seasons too long.
3: Oh, absolutely. Well, <laughs> the whole plot spaghetti problem, way uh, too many threads. You can't actually untangle all this.
4: Right. Yeah. And it's just them ha- hiring new writers and then mm-hmm. them, you know, writing shit, then not following up with it. So, but yeah, it started crush on David Duchovny. This show's actually really intelligently written. Um, it's difficult for me to follow, which I found that intriguing as a kid. Um, and then she's just so damn smart. I just love that, that Scully just pushed, you know, pushed back on Mulder with all of his stupid bullshit, but turning out to be true uh, conspiracy theories. That's why I watched it.
3: So where were you the first time you heard the song, David Coveney, Why Won't You
4: Love Me? <laughs> I was listening to the podcast, the the Kumail Nanjiani podcast. I had no idea. It's a terrible song, but it's hilarious.
3: It is. it was playing on the radio when I was driving (laughs) and I nearly
2: drove off the road when they got to the chorus because I was laughing so hard.
1: Right.
2: So, I think the first episode of the X-Files I watched was Fresh Bones, which is, uh, the, uh, which was the Haitian refugee episode from the second season, I guess. So, there's 1995 I'm seeing on Wikipedia, which makes sense because the way I saw it was... You know, my sister is a few years older than me, and she'd, like, recorded it uh, along with some other TV, like, you know, on, like, the VHS, you know, in her dorm room and, like, brought it back, uh, which I guess the thing I should say here is, like, a weird thing about my experience of TV, is that when I was a kid, you know, our TV broke, and then my parents just decided that it'd be like better if they didn't replace <coughs> it, so we wouldn't watch TV. And then, like, it was a long, like, many years until they actually got a new one. So, uh, you know, I was in like high school when they did. Uh, so, I, I sort of skipped straight from like the Smurfs to the Simpsons, and this was like just right around when they like got a TV again. But so, anyway, I, I thought it was very scary. I remember, uh, I remember around the same time. Uh, Listed that uh, bare naked ladies song with the lyric about watching the X Files with the lights on. I hope the smoking man's in this one. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Yep. Yep. I don't know. Like I like I said, you know, it was always kind of the uh, the Sunday night ritual, and you know, I I, I definitely like. By a couple seasons after the movie, I kind of trailed off, like I think a lot of people did, you know. But over the years, like and especially since you know you no longer have to watch those uh, those two two episodes per VHS, you know, in the era of Netflix and everything. Very often, when I'm, um, you know, when I see my little brother over, you know, um, you know the summer or whatever, we'll watch, you know, some. Rewatch some X Files episodes. Not all of it is equally rewatchable, but it all has huge nostalgia value for me. Mm-hmm.
0: Great, right. yeah. I was, um, like I said, I, my own personal history was it, they, the, the show came out in what '93. I think it was like fall '93. So I remember it aired. Uh, it started airing on like Friday nights. I think my senior year of high school, which by that point, uh, because I uh, was actually just not really. Not that I was not. Not that I was never at home on Friday nights. It was more like I was just never watching TV on Friday nights. At that point, I had you know I had a modem and you know and you know bulletin boards and computer games to uh, to uh, to occupy my time. So I never really I never got it. It was one of those kind of things that I would watch because hey, it was it was the '90s.
4: I got but- another I got another bundle to pick for the show. Okay, so everybody jacks off to Mulder about like what a genius he is. This is like a running theme throughout the show. Right, is, is Mulder's genius. He said it to Cambridge. How,
0: mm-hmm. how much, well, is that, was that, was that kind of a thing of, of, is that like Mary Sue writer shit? Or, cause like the writer is like projecting themselves as like the, uh, in the form of Mulder as the all knowing something? Or is it oh, something else going on?
4: That's definitely Darren Morgan if you listen to his, <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> he's definitely torture genius writer type.
0: Okay, anyway, sorry for interrupting, please go on. No,
4: um, that's all right. Um, so right so there's a couple of episodes i forgot the one's called where he's like kind of has to get into a mind of uh the serial killer and everyone's like oh, oh. let him work
0: he's man shit yeah
4: yeah and um so anyway it's running theme how you know what an intelligent person Mulder is and he's just rich i mean this is me this is very much my class analysis of the show but like he's a rich kid he grew up in martha's vineyard Um, He went to Cambridge, sure, but everybody that I knew that went to Cambridge because their parents could afford to like send him overseas to study abroad, (laughs) and uh, he's got a bachelor's degree. Actually, yes, Oxford or Oxford. Yes, I'm sorry. Wow, who
3: lives in Martha's
4: Vineyard? That's where the rich people go to vacation, (laughs) right? So, so yeah, he just goes to Oxford. Thank you very much for correcting me, Ben. (laughs) So, it's like okay, he's got a bachelor's degree in in psychology. Leave that alone, and then um, whereas Scully fucking goes to med school, goes I don't want to be a doctor anymore. I want to go to the FBI, and I I want to be an investigator now.
0: So actual like forensic training, yeah, forensic yeah, training, a
4: coroner, yeah, yeah. A medical degree mm-hmm. says I'm gonna do this incredibly hard thing, which is go to get this professional degree. And then uh, deciding, okay, I don't want to do that. I want to work for, like, one of the most elite institutions in the United States. I'm not praising the FBI, but it is very hard to get into. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I'm going to do this. And only like, that, like, she comes very much from a working-class background. Her, you know, she's military family, that type of thing. So, yeah. you know, her yep. backstory, far more impressive to for, to me than uh, reiny, whiny, rich boy, uh, Mulder.
2: Ben? And uh, even before med school apparently for some reason as a uh, undergrad she was writing her undergrad she was like doing like advanced right. theoretical physics yeah
4: for- her her yeah her honors thesis was on physics that's absolutely right and she's immortal and she's immortal according yeah. to the during morgan episode she's immortal yeah yeah he i like how he references his own episodes <laughs> it's like remember you guys remember when
3: i said this in season nine she's an immortal, and everyone made a big fan theory about it yeah yeah uh, in the Clive Buckman's final repose episode, when she asks how does she die, he says you don't, and that spawned this whole kind of not serious but sort of fun fan, fan theory where she's actually an immortal, and then it's referenced in a later episode by him.
4: Yeah, um, the Weremonster Monster episode. Yeah,
0: yeah, the um, <clears throat> the well, the particular episode is noted. I can't remember if it won an award or not, but it was the one that it was one of the ones that we uh, I did rewatch. Well, actually, I watched it for the first time, but it it had uh, it had Peter Boyle. Aka um, Frankenstein from uh, Young Frankenstein, as uh, and also the dad from Fucking Everyone Loves Raymond because he was also you know '90s TV, who does a great job uh, in this stuff. And I just remember the, that particular episode also has a full-on like Yuri Yuri uh, Geller type who comes in, and uh, that they don't actually call they, they you know they're they're heavily winking that this is a Yuri Geller type because one of their FBI agents actually says, "Look what he did to my pen."
3: The stupendous yappy.
0: Yeah. I think one topic that I did want to that I did want to bring up in terms, of, because we're back in, we're because uh, the show was very much or, uh, originated in '80s and '90s conspiracy culture, was how much of the show. Um, the first, well, actually, two things. One, um, what would <laughs> what would have happened had Mulder actually discovered Marxism, yeah. uh, uh, or like you know just basic power analysis. Or you know, God forbid, historical material- materialism. Because at least it's kind of a, it's one of those things where like any sort of like conspiracy culture is like, well, if you discover Marxism, it kind of like it it kind of fills in the holes a lot better, and you don't need nearly as uh, conv- you know as convoluted a collection of YouTube videos to explain something. Um, you just need you know just long books and long lectures. But also, um, how much of the show like there is very much a, the, the shares. It, shares a lot of the same i guess you know conspiracy culture but also shares a lot of the same dna and a lot of the same kind of like power analysis as cyberpunk culture in that the, the hero of both kind of like conspiracy uh, narratives and also like, but a lot of like classic cyberpunk narratives are that the only thing you had to do to bring down the power holders was just to unveil some hidden or obscured piece of information they did not want out. You know, you, you hack into the company databases, you, uh, you grab some file or you reveal something they don't want to do. And somehow, you know, magically, you know, insert step two, a question mark, question mark, question mark, step three is victory. You know, somehow the uh, the evildoers have been re- revealed and are brought down, I guess, by, like, public shame so or something?
2: I was, so I wonder about this, actually, because I've, I've been thinking about this, because you, you mentioned this to me before, and I was thinking about it, and I, I do see the analogy, but, like, one, one difference, it seems like. Is that unless I'm just not remembering things? Now I know there are a couple of episodes where there are references to Mulder having like anonymously written some articles for like UFO nut journals or something, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, uh, and there is the thing that was referenced earlier where he goes to like a UFO convention, but that always kind of seemed like a like a sort of hobby or like comparing notes with people or something. That never really seemed to be the point. Like it never really seemed like, as far as I can recall that there was any ever any particular effort to like make the conspiracy public it always just sort of seemed like if anything the, the grand plan was to like put it in an FBI report
0: it was yeah it was like like his compulsion was not to break the shit wide open his compulsion was just a f- like he was he had his own like personal internal drive that he himself needed to get to the heart of the matter and like once he once his own personal thirst i don't know well david de Coveney, so yeah thirst um was uh, was answered uh, or, or uh, quenched you know temporarily you know and then, you know he had that he had that week long refractory period before he got the nerve he got the uh, he got the uh, the hankering up to go you know uh, crack another mystery once you know as long as he himself was satisfied like that was it you know, mm-hmm. just type it up, file it, put it together in this. You know, in this. You know, in the. In, you know, in this. In the uh, repressive arm of the nation state. Okay, yeah, it's in it. You know, it's. We found that we we have found the Ark of the Covenant. We've put it in a crate. We've locked it away in a warehouse. All right, you know. Yeah. Done Talk and dusted. Man. Yeah. What's uh, what? What do we got next?
4: So yeah, he's obviously not a leftist. He's not out to to break open anything. Um, they kind of touch on. Very, very small branch of the FBI that actually uh, investigates like white militia movements and stuff like that. There's an episode called the Pine Bluff variant where he like briefly infiltrates this kind of separatist movement because they're spreading biological weapons. And it's the one where like, uh, you know, you just find a bunch of bodies in a theater because of some it was some virus that they were spreading through the money. And then Mulder kind of cracks open the case in his own way, which is to say that, you know, he writes it down in a file somewhere. And then somewhere, someone higher up in the FBI or the CIA is like, yeah, you need to just look the other way on this. And that's kind of the way the episode ends. So that kind of stood out to me because they don't really talk about, on the series, they don't really get into that part of FBI work where you're working on, you're actually targeting, to the extent that they do, um... These types of white supremacist movements, or you know, organizations that are actually dangerous. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's
0: just kind of like yeah, it's um, well, that's the, that's the trick, isn't it? It's the um, and much like a lot of conspiracy culture, isn't it? It is, it is not. You can't deal. You need that mystifying, that distance. You need that break, that discontinuity. You can't address. Um, it's you know. You know, modern example, Pizzagate versus the Epstein thing. Like, you can't address, you know, the fact that, oh, yeah, we have all this, sh-, you know, yeah, we have, you know, their kids being, you know, tortured and, and horrible things done to them. They're at the border. But no, we can't deal with that. We need to have this kind of mystified, this almost, like what, allegorical, metaphorical, this kind of like this distance, this uh, this um, abstract to, that we can only deal with as opposed to the reality of it.
4: Yeah, but I mean, the X-Files wasn't like the X-Men in that it was a metaphor for anything. Right Other than just kind of just generally giving this idea that you know you really shouldn't trust the government, which was good like in the in the sense that it, it really did instill a very healthy distrust of the u s government in my mind, at least as a teenager.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: so it was good in that sense I, did, I still don't believe in aliens, um, but no the 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 show is uh, almost in, completely devoid of any um, leftist messaging or anything like that there is There's one episode. And it's the one where you kind of get the backstory. So Mulder and Scully, all you do is hear their voice. The uh, it's the episode where you get the backstory, of the cigarette smoking man. Oh yeah, yeah. And so there is a scene right when he decides that he's going to kill uh, Doctor King, Doctor Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. and he's sitting in his office, and then it's where Doctor King is actually talking about. Uh, he's making the connection between the Vietnam War and uh, basically he was a t- he was he was giving a speech. where He was, uh, he was openly attacking, attacking capitalism. That was
0: uh, was a nineteen sixty seven. Beyond Vietnam speech. Yeah, I think so. Yes, yeah, the, the, the one Vietnam from sixty seven. Yeah,
4: um, and so. It, which is remarkable, because this is not the type of shit that we teach in schools, right? As far as we know, Dr. King was killed because um, he wanted black people to have equal rights, and that's absolutely the case. That's when the liberal class left him, was when he started talking about um, socialism being the only really true path for people, that health care is a uh, threat to human rights. And when he really started critiquing capitalism is when everybody left him, and he you know, he ended up being, sh- he, he was killed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, so...
2: Yeah, I remember being really struck, like, when I realized that, like... The version of King's life that you always got in like uh, you know high school Martin Luther King Day assemblies things like that like just kind of skipped from the March on Washington to the assassination it's like wow that's four years right right yeah
0: we're like yeah or the almost like it's like they barely even you know like wait a minute why was he in Memphis what was you know (laughs) you know did he what was he actually there to do or was working on or why was he brought there huh I wonder why
4: right Right, and so in that episode, uh, you have the cigarette smoking man, and he overhears that speech, and then he goes, oh, why'd you have to say that? Basically suggesting that's, you know, the moment that Dr. King started critiquing capitalism, that's when he, you know, at least in the eyes of the state, didn't deserve to live anymore. That is the only thing that I can think, that I can identify in that whole fucking series
2: that has some element of truth. If I'm... Okay, I might be just making this up, but... I feel like they even established in that episode doesn't the um doesn't the cigarette smoking man actually come from like some kind of multiracial background or something or am I just completely making that up
4: mm, I don't remember that
2: Okay I wonder All uh, right but anyway I do remember that I do remember the scene you're talking about it. I remember I think he even like tells some like other you know shadowy government people in that episode that like if not for this communist thing, I'd be totally on his side.
4: Right, I remember yeah. that line, yeah. The I mean, the tone itself, I mean, I'm sorry, the episode itself just really jumps around in tone. Like, there's a joke about, um, you know, like, Saddam Hussein. So, the cigarette smoking man's having some secret meeting with, like, all these shady FBI people, all these government men. And somebody's like, oh, Saddam Hussein's on the phone for you. He's like, ah, I tell him I'll call him back. Like, I don't want to talk to him. You know, he's annoying, that type of thing. Um, just, and then there's... Uh- Oh, which is ahead.
2: great cuz just just a quick interjection on that. There was the episode where I think two part episode where Mulder switches bodies with a uh, man in black. Yes. Uh where there's a line in there where they're like the man in black, you know, switch bodies with Mulder. He's he's in like he's talking to the lone gunman and they have some conspiracy theory about Saddam Hussein and he just says, "Oh, there is no Saddam Hussein." <laughs>
4: you know, we oh, you're some actor. Up. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. some stupid actor we saw in Memphis picked him up, yeah. Um yeah, so like I mean this the same yeah, I guess Saddam Hussein really is a punchline in that show. Um the it the episode's called Musings of a Cigarette Smoking Man. Um and they also in that same episode joke that, you know, the Buffalo that uh, he orders at the Buffalo Bills can never win a Super Bowl. Um mm-hmm. so the, the it, episode's it, all it, over it,
0: the Yeah, it was the nineties, so yeah.
4: <laughs> so I don't I don't know anything about sports, you know, uh so I, I assume that's funny. But um, just the episode is just all over the place, you know. Um, And so that's why that particular scene stands out, is because that's, the like I said, the only time in that series that has anything, any element of leftism. I don't know if you guys can prove me otherwise.
0: (laughs) No, I I can't think of anything other than just just reminds me of, like, yeah, uh, it's almost like, oh, I was going to say, okay, uh, bridging point, because it was, like, reflective of how, cuz yeah uh, in a lot of different ways 90s
2: politics was shit it's also just on the subject of the cigarette smoking man that also is something that like really ties it to the 90s like that that was the perfect window when you could have that character and that that like and that trademark that he's always like smoking in the office because like a few years before, it wouldn't have been a big deal. Everybody would have been smoking in the office. It wouldn't have been like a weird show of power. That he's above the rules, <laughs> and not that. And but like if you made it now, it'd just be it would be too much. You'd be like, well, what's going on? He can't. You can't smoke in there, right? You know, like it was. It was just that like sweet spot where like you know the it, transitionary period. Yeah. Yeah, it was no longer normal to like smoke. You know, in an office, but like you know, it wasn't like just totally bizarre to see somebody do it.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, two bits that I want. Well, for real quick, maybe, maybe just a minor point because I, I figure we can move into like, talking about some of the Darren Morgan stuff. But also, um, I think bridging off of something you said in the beginning, Ben, about because these are we, both shows uh, shot and uh, actually no, ticket pack. Um, well, there's, there's, they're not quite, they don't quite overlap, but they definitely come from the same era and same culture of comparing X Files with say like The West Wing. Uh-huh. I I only bring that up because Ben, you mentioned something about this, like a like a like a, a, a contrast of like how like Sorkin would handle something versus how they did it, how like Chris Carter would.
2: Yeah, well, the point there is just that, like in in um, in Aaron Sorkin shows, pretty much without fail, you know, female characters aren't as smart as their male counterparts, and they're you know, and like. You know, one of the things that male heroes do a lot is is like lecture them about things, and that's obviously you know uh, the dynamic of of Scully as the you know even though in this bizarre universe she is wrong all the time, you know, but as of Scully being actually extremely knowledgeable about all this stuff and at the very least holding her own in every conversation, and um, and Mulder. You know, again, being lucky enough to live in this bizarre universe where he's actually right about all this stuff. But, um, you know, a version of Mulder who lived in our world, you know, would would be, um, like, unambiguously, like, just a much less reasonable person uh, than Scully. And so that that seems very different to me.
4: One of the things I did want to say is that they... Okay, so Scully was remarkable to me in that she was very, very intelligent, but that she's still kind of not she kind of becomes an actual woman, like a multi-dimensional woman, when she has a baby. So, you know, she doesn't seem to have, she's like has zero sexual drive, right? Except for the I episode know. where she goes out and gets a tattoo and then goes crazy because the inks has uh, got LSD or some shit in it or whatever mescaline. And so she ends up, and then it, even then in that episode, it wasn't even apparent that they had sex. So she was on board with, having a sex scene for Scully and the writer and I think Chris Carter and the writers of the show is like no let's just keep her buttoned up which is not like that's not a real human right that's not a real human woman and not uh-huh. only that the way the, the they put that episode the sequence was it was she did that after she got her cancer diagnosis so that whole foray into you know casual sex with guys kind of a stranger can just be explained by her reaction to this news, as opposed to, again, just being kind of a human woman. And having sex drive. In the whole show, we're very
3: aware that Mulder has
2: a sex drive. It's like a continuing theme.
4: Right, yeah. Although, although,
2: yeah, we are. Although, does does Mulder have any sex scenes? I don't remember. Um, Yeah, the vampire.
4: the The one where she's early on in the series, where she gets abducted. She's gone for three episodes, but they cut it, so it only looks like one. And he go and he goes and bangs that vampire lady.
2: Oh yeah. I think the No uh, the nineties. Oh, yeah, if I'm remembering right, I think that the, I think that there's sort of implied sex there. I don't really think anyway, it doesn't matter. There's an escort service
3: yeah. uh, messages on his answering machine. Okay.
2: Yeah. And he's watching porn the, the whole sp- fucking series, right? Yeah. No, yeah that's but, like but his thing. Well, well see, that's what I remember, right? Like right. what what I remember to Mulder is that of course, you're right. It does show that at least he has a sex drive. But it's also a very weird decision, especially for, like, this early 90s, like, kind of action hero thing that, like, he's never, or with one possible exception over the course of many seasons or whatever, he's never actually um, having sexual relationships or anything. He just, you know, like, he he has, you know, he has a well-established porn habit, but, like, that sort of feels like it's there to, um, to sort of you know still so like okay that's taken care of so this isn't going to be an issue you know he's just going to masturbate and go back to the aliens
4: right but it's framed as like it's almost like a necessity like okay he's a dude right naturally he uh, needs to have some release so they give him porn which does you know at that point risk was risque because you don't it was before the internet Before porn was so widely available easily available so you actually had to go to a store to get it but then
0: she or the w- or, or the woods
4: or the woods
0: Right, 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 right. Have, you, have you ever? Um, God, we can do an entire episode about the, the phenomenon of woods porn. It was always the joke that, like, teen, uh, like adolescent boys growing up, like you would always find there were they. If you lived in a place that had woods, there was somebody always knew a spot where, like, a dirty mag was like hid, like under a log or like hid somewhere that you you knew the place in the woods to find. It's like you just randomly encounter it because somebody would eject it back there, and that was how. So like there, you know, that woods porn was very much a thing.
4: Okay, well I don't want to be on that episode, but anyway. the, you don't have that same, you know, you don't have the same, uh, con- you don't see anything on Scully's end in terms of having any urges that she needs to satisfy, mm-hmm. other than that one episode where she bangs that dude. And it's also,
3: it's a tension in Mulder, because he kind of wants to have relationships, like he hits on women sometimes, and there's even like, I'm remembering some scene of a woman throwing water in his face or something like that, because he, he stood her up because of his obsession with aliens, so he definitely has drives and needs and wants and things like that. But it's a sacrifice. So that's one of the tensions of this character.
4: Right, yeah. And early on in the series, you see Scully go on a date, Mm -hmm. right? Right. And she's wearing like the sequin get up. It's terrible. It's very early 90s. It's terrible. It's like a lace. Maybe there weren't sequins, but it was definitely lace. And there were definitely some shoulder pads in it. Mm -hmm. It was (laughs) awful. Um, And so you had that in the beginning. And then that kind of that aspect of their personal lives, it got they dies away because their personal lives die away. Mm-hmm. right their both of their lives become this obsession with learning the truth and they obviously love each other and they obviously they so obviously love each other that's why i watched the damn show just waiting for them to fuck for nine years yeah um just fun fact about that fandom uh that fandom
3: is the origin of the term shipping yes several people have researched this and the earliest use of that which is a shortening of the term relationship, comes from x-files oh. fandom
0: yeah. Unfortunately, Nat actually moved to Arkansas. Otherwise, she would be—I uh, think she would be handy to uh, opine on that because, like, her thing was always is very big in the in into the Phantom community. Uh, but yeah, but um, just on the, on the topic of Mulder, Mulder's, Mulder's needs. Uh, but there is you know, the, in, 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 we can tran- use this transition to talk about the the Darren Morgan episodes. The episode about the cockroaches, where at one point when Mulder goes to the cockroach house and meets the Bambi Baron Bomb. Yep, Bambi. And who is he? Is her name is Bambi?
1: But she did tell me everything else there is to know about insects. She. Yeah, did you know that the ancient Egyptians worshipped the scarab beetle and possibly erected the pyramids to honor them, which may just be giant symbolic dung heaps? Did you know the inventor of the flesh toilet was named Thomas Crapper? Bambi also has this theory I've never come across. Who? Dr. Barrenbon. Anyway. Her name is Bambi? Yeah, both her parents were naturalists.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> her, that he is the hilariously just you know full of just you know horned the fuck up for, her. Mm-hmm. and um, oh, and her
3: name means bear butt. I mean barren This is obviously a joke, right? About her bottom.
0: It's, um, it's the 90s, folks. Although, one thing I did notice from this episode is, at one point, she meets like another like, uh, like top insect scientist who is in a wheelchair. He's bald, wears glasses, uh, wears- and has like a single hand that he p- uh, pilots himself around on a powered wheelchair, but also has a voice box, and is the closest fucking thing to Davros from Doctor Who that would have ever made it onto, uh, onto American television in the 90s.
1: Dr. Avanoff? Why are you scaring my
0: because I was like watching this, i like, that's you know, these guys obviously like he has the same like almost like Dalek voice. There's a key like, that's full on Davros from uh, from Doctor Who.
1: For decades, my colleagues in artificial intelligence have attempted to create an autonomous robot by struggling to give their machines a human-like brain. They have failed. A human brain is too complex, too computational. It thinks too much. But insects.
2: This is Davros. Elite Unit Seven will go to the incubator room. All survival maintenance systems are to be closed down. The Dalek creatures are to be destroyed.
0: That, that, fortunately, Bambi, of course, because she loves knowledge more than like Mulder's smoldering looks, is more attracted to um, the scientist than the uh, than the Fed.
3: Mm And they go off together, and leave him alone. At the end,
0: yeah. I never, I did not know that uh, Mulder had a character trait that really was um, watching a lot of. Uh, he like, he watched porn all the time. Which, given what if anybody out there knows the uh, knows the uh, the fun bits about David Duchovny in real life, that's uh, <laughs> um, you know that's a good joke.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's really insight into his. Uh, personality as a as an actor, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Another thing, and I swear this is the last about how fucking racist this show no, was go right, I, get, go right I ahead. love this show. Here's the thing, like it's my favorite show of all time. Don't worry, like I said, five pages. So, so five pages, right. Okay. So there's two more things. So the only characters that were people of color, um, that weren't there by virtue of their ethnicity were uh what the fuck is his name? The guy who took over for Skinner and he just gives Mulder a hard time the whole yeah, time. Yeah, the guy from Twenty One Jump Streets, so that was super awkward for me. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't so that like
0: Kirsch or something? Or am I of Kirsch, else?
4: yes, thank you. Okay. Um, and IMDb then, comes to the rescue. Yeah. And then uh, there's another character, and this is the, I think it's a two part, it w- could be one part, where uh, Ho- uh, Homer, Mulder has to be kind of, uh, there's a hostage situation, and he's kind of the person who's doing the negotiations. And there's a woman named CCH Pound, or I'm sorry, the, the woman's name, the actor's name is CCH Pounder. Pounder, which is the best fucking name
0: ever. Yep, like uh,
4: that. It's, that is a bank you can trust.
0: A co-star of uh, ER and several other projects.
4: Yeah, but that's a gr- that's a great name. Like I would buy insurance from CCH Pounder. Like I know that my. Retirements like I know my retirement would be set.
0: Like, I just love that name. Your investments are safe with the folks at CCH Pounder. If
4: I had a slip and fall, you better fucking believe I'm gonna call CCH Pounder. That bitch is gonna give me some money. But so she, so her show also just, or I'm sorry, her appearance on the show is also giving Mulder shit, you know. And so, like, the only two black characters are like just shitty, um, and they just kind of spend the whole time beating up on Mulder. And this is possibly the best, um, example is that Reyes is supposed to be Mexican and they hire a white lady to play her. That is fucking insulting. So they actually have a character on the show who's Mexican, who speaks the worst fucking Spanish. Worse than uh, what's that guy running for president out of Texas?
0: Beto. Beto.
4: Beto worse Spanish than Beto. Uh,
0: cada, votar, ca- cada votante necesitamos la representación y cada voz necesitamos escuchar.
4: And they hire a white lady, and she has, and again another racist fucking episode where um, what's his name, the Terminator guy he ends up in Mexico. He ends up like a jail in Tijuana. That's how the
0: episode starts. Is it Picard? no, not Picard, not Robert Picardo. He was uh, he was on Voyager. Uh,
4: Patrick Doggett, yeah, Patrick Doggett. Mm. So um, uh, so that was just uh, it's insult to injury when Reyes and her 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 character is kind of disappointing for a number of reasons. Um, she's supposed to be like. She's supposed to be Scully, but sexier or something like that. Like, her her character's supposed to be more feminine. I don't know, okay. some sh- bullshit. Scully, but sexy. Scully I mean, se- <laughs> <laughs> there's a real problem when
3: you're trying to make Scully, but sexy. Cause right. Because, like, I mean, this is Gillian Anderson, so...
4: Yeah, like, there's a scene where she's, like, waking up from a nap. She's topless. You know, it's just like, completely unnecessary. Hmm. But, again, just trying... I guess that's what a bunch of old white dudes find hmm. sexy it's like...
3: But Mulder is also randomly shirtless in a lot of episodes.
4: Sure. Um yeah I mean there's the bikini- there's the famous red bikini right the yeah. red speedo mm-hmm.
0: um which they do make fun of in the uh, Simpson's episode
4: Yeah yeah as they I mean it's a great scene um but you know um it's the uh, gender dynamics it's different of course mm-hmm. having Scully in a speedo Yeah Um all right so I think I'm I'm done with the how fucking racist this show is
0: Like I said, at some point it's an 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 artifact of its time.
4: Yeah, that's that's what people say. I mean, I don't know. That show could have been better. That's true. Sorry. Oh, go right ahead. The final Darren
3: Morgan episode is basically meta about that, and the fan memories of that, and, you know, I want to remember it the way it was, and, you know, people... Yeah, it was was basically the, the entire episode was meta about the fan experience, and, like in our fact this time and going back it's not as good as you remember and you kind of feel like you were there like i mean reggie is obviously the fan experience uh-huh. with nicknames for them and like remembering things better than they did i mean that, that the whole episode was right b- that's what it was about
0: well which, which uh, let's uh, do, uh shed some light on it do you remember which episode was it the
3: lost art of forehead sweat the season
0: uh, 11 darren morgan episode Right, I thought he did the Weird Monster one. Oh, that was season 10. Oh, okay. Uh, then I, I, the 11th one, I, uh, that's the one I did not actually watch.
3: Okay. Yeah, this is the one that is about someone controlling our idea of what the past is
4: to control our present for political power.
0: Makes sense. It's a great
4: episode. It's kind mm-hmm. of, it's so, um, it, it's hard to explain because they go through so much of the series and they just like, insert this character um, who's like this goofy guy named Reggie. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are aliens in it that kind of, um, they parrot kind of what Trump says early on in his presidency. It's a bizarre episode. It's very, it's
3: very on the nose. Yeah, it was about the Mandela effect, mm-hmm. which they call the Mingala effect. Mm-hmm.
0: That's right. It's an odd, okay.
4: So let's not maybe talk about the episode that Jeremy <laughs> hasn't seen. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, bad okay. Blood. Is that, that's Darren Morgan, right? I, I don't think it so. It wasn't
3: my list. I had
4: uh, Humbug,
3: Clive oh. Buckman, uh, War of the Corofages, Jose Chung's Rashomon, Forehead Sweat, and we Monster.
0: How much do you want? Well, we can because uh, because the revival episode is that's is the wait is is the revival is the revival still on on Netflix or do they take it off?
3: It's actually not on Netflix anymore. When I went to go rewatch it, I had to go to uh, my Amazon account.
0: Wow. I thought, didn't they
3: make that? What? They did. I don't know what happened.
0: Oh, wow. I, was, you know, I had to quiet it through other means, but... Ben, have you seen the uh, the Curse of the Weremonster, the Kolchak, and Kumail Nanjiani
2: episode? Basically, no. I watched, like, the very first, you know, a couple of years ago, whatever, the very first of the new ones. Didn't like it. And then, like, at some point later, I was with friends, and there was, like, a, I watched another episode, and, and I was kind of... Um, it it made me sad so i have i haven't watched the rest of the revival stuff
4: me don and i are very disappointed in you both <laughs>
3: <laughs> no i'm i'm okay with stopping with that season because actually this particular episode of this tv show is actually why i stopped watching tv for a while i was that upset with him like no i'm gonna only going to audio you know audio dramas for a while i want single
4: single creator stuff for a while okay you're dead to me too now don i'm sorry
0: well uh, let's get into the episode that we're talking on the this is the uh, what is it Mulder and scully meet the meet the were monster the which w- it came out in, like what 2015 2014 like that a couple years ago it was the first the first of the of the revived series mm-hmm. uh uh noticeable notable for at least as a uh special guest had um had uh like camille Kum- nanjiani as a sidekick
4: yeah. so what happened so Kamel Nanjiani ha- uh, had a great podcast that he just continued called the X-Files Falls that was part of the reason why they were able to book the revival mm-hmm. is that he actually had somebody on the show who uh, produced the second movie which was like a commercial flop and so there's reasons for there's explanations for that part of it has to do with like that's when the writer strike was so they didn't have the opportunity to rewrite it um, that's one thing they probably didn't market it very well. I remember I went to naturally. I went to the the, the night it was released. Opening went, night, the opening night, yeah. And there was like it was not a full audience at all. Like mm. it was not a full theater. Um, so, so he so he did this podcast. He revived a lot of interest back into the show. I think that's part of the reason why they were able to get a season um, ten. And then they invited him on the show because obviously he displayed what a huge Nerd fan he was, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. kind of how he got the the the, the guest spot. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's a great episode.
3: Yeah, in the middle of the episode, they are uh, the person I was talking about before, the director Kim Manners, because he died mm-hmm. uh, during the during uh, actually runs Supernatural. So you have a very brightly lit outdoor scene, and they're just like standing on his grave <laughs> in yeah, this they'd... terribly lit scene.
4: Yeah, and they have his phrase, "Let's kick it in the ass." That was like his mm-hmm. phrase as yeah. a as a.
0: Yeah. Well, but just... Oh, sorry, Ben, go ahead. I didn't say anything. Oh, sorry. That was me. Oh, sorry. Okay. I
4: was going to ask Don to talk about that horrible scene with the trans woman. Okay,
3: so the trans woman, who, by the way, was played by a, a drag queen, someone who actually is... I've looked at this person's own website. They identify as male. It was a man in a dress. This person hits like a man. This person is the absolute... There's two stereotypes I'm being played with on this episode. Uh, there is uh, this trans woman who was the embodiment of the negative stereotypes. Right when we meet her, she's, she's talking about having had gender reassignment surgery. Like, right when we meet her.
1: Mm-hmm. Looks like you gave it a pretty good shot. I think I hit it right in its horn. Oh. It had a horn? Like a unicorn? It had horns. At the back of its head, like a lizard or something. Did it look anything like this? No, the thing I saw only had two eyes, and it was wearing underwear. Boxers or briefs? tidy whiteys, Same kind I used to wear. I transitioned last year. Did you see which way it headed? I told the officers it slid it off that way, but they think I'm on crack. Are you? Yeah. Which is like, who
3: talks like that? Like, oh yeah, because I just had my, yeah, like that's something. Hand gesture. Yeah, <laughs> there was a hand gesture. You might have heard it, but yeah. And there's also the other stereotype is that of the the white male who wants a job and a mortgage because that's what the weird creature who becomes human he gets his compulsion. And the thing is, the stereotype of the white man is treated as completely silly and it's rejected by the show, also a narrative level because it turns out to be we don't know exactly what happened, but it is some sort of weird paranormal thing happened. This wasn't real. This didn't happen. He wasn't bitten by a human. Whatever it was, it wasn't that. But the show doesn't even blink at the stereotype of a person of color, trans woman. Sex worker. Yeah. Sex sex worker uh, reinforces every stereotype. Uh, Mulder brings up sexual reassignment surgery pretty much as a non sequitur in a later conversation. So like on every level, the show is rejecting the stereotypes about people like Darren Morgan and are reinforcing them about black trans women.
4: Yeah, it's even, and then he, uh, well, going back to Mulder, I think he's interviewing the sex worker, or no, 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 somebody says, like, she hit like a man, or something like that, uh, which is an obvious reference, and then it's just so poorly treated, but then they also kind of portray Mulder or Scully as, as being somehow sensitive to it. Like, they're just, like, really open minds, like, oh, okay, that's what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, about.
3: We, to- we totally accept you randomly talking to us about having
4: had gender reassignment surgery.
3: That's, that's, or gender confirmation, surgery. that's a completely normal conversation to be having at a truck stop. Right. With right. a witness about something completely unrelated.
0: Yeah. I'll give you just the little capsule description of the episode. This is uh, yeah, um, February 2016. Mulder questions his faith in the unexplained. He attempts to gather proof of the existence of the new creature he and the Scully investigate before jumping to conclusions. So um, IMDb capsule descriptions are uh, real complete there. Yeah. And very, very specific.
3: And I know that, like, what a character says and what the show's point of view can be very, very different. You know, there, there's the Watsonian level, there's the Doyles level looking at narrative. Um, it's more important to look at like what the narrative is saying than the show. But also, Mulder defines uh, being trans as a medical procedure in the totally random conversation digression. And the one thing that kind of jumped out at me the first time I saw this episode was Mulder's reaction to him to this weird creature not being able to spot a trans person. Like this is funny to him, but that's a weird reaction for Mulder to have because he's been dealing with aliens and other creatures his entire career so someone not understanding you know human normative gender binary shouldn't be funny they shouldn't warrant it
2: like, he, he shouldn't even have in fact, blinked in fact in the very first season of the show uh he yeah he interacted with uh uh with gender switching alien amish people
4: yeah that's right Oh, that's right yeah
2: how much?
0: How much of that do you think is, was a uh, deliberate reference to his uh, his debut as a, uh, as an F- his first role as an FBI agent as um, the uh, the transitioning uh, agent on X- not X Files
3: Twin Peaks on Twin Peaks yes which has been praised as a pretty good portrayal I haven't watched much Twin Peaks but
0: especially for like 1989 1990
3: yeah especially for the time I and mean, that's that's kind of held up as like you know this is a good portrayal.
4: Yeah. Which is that's why like the the product of his time argument is such bullshit. It's like mm-hmm. if you just had a couple writers that weren't old white guys. Yeah. Um, then you wouldn't have had so many problematic um, depictions of of people of color, of trans people, that type of thing.
3: Well, I mean, this whole episode, there's no reason to be talking about gender reassignment
0: surgery <laughs> twice in the episode. Exactly. There's no
3: reason to be talking about it even once, unless the person who wrote it, like, really wants to talk about this randomly for whatever reason. <laughs> and this is <laughs> it's like it's like I mean, even the the. Um, the psychiatrist on the show even points, you know, about creatures and stuff like that, even points out the fact that you usually kill them by penetrating them as some sort of psychosexual thing. The whole issue is, the whole episode is a complete mess of personal issues. And one of the tragedies about that, I think, is that it would be possible to do kind of a werewolf uh, metaphor for being trans that didn't suck. Mm -hmm. Because (laughs) a lot of people who are trans, not, I don't know if a lot, but some, a lot, who I've, you know, been aware of and talked to, refer to going on hormone replacement therapy as a second puberty. And, you know, werewolf myths are often considered to be a werewolf metaf- uh, a puberty metaphor. So, I mean, there's a lot of things there, you know, only being able to be yourself on, you know, integrative places, on a schedule anxiety about body hair like there, there's so many things you could pull from and actually do a non-shit episode right where this is the met where, where you know being where we're creatures and trans are, are, are you know there's a metaphor between these things going on like it's entirely possible to to have done that in a way that didn't suck
4: yeah and darren morgan is especially good at it right he doesn't shy away from depth and nuance mm. and these kind of philosophical questions i mean uh, jose chunks from outer space ends on that note Mm-hmm. Right about yeah. whether or not we 're really alone in the universe, mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean, if he had just had kind of a worldly experience that wasn 't just a white white guy torture genius writer then mm-hmm. um then we would have had a more <laughs> a more worldly episode in that sense, yeah,
0: yeah, that was, I think similar and i 'll bring this back to because uh, to my, my own personal warehouse, which is next generation, but of the um the, like i said the, the the just the line of um, was we make you know it's like uh, we make our own history, but not but not from our but not from circumstances of our own choosing. The um, how um, in next generation you had it's almost the limit the limitations. It was like trying to you know like trying to envision the future. You had the limitations of a show that was trying to portray a. Not post-gender, but definitely, you know, kind of, there, there was a post-scarcity society where you had, like, true, like, um, like sexual and, and gender equality. That was, you know, kind of, we, we were, you know, we'd evolved, as a society, we'd, we'd evolved past that. And women their- can't kiss. Yeah, but also, but at the same time, it was made by a bunch of rich boomer types in Southern California in the late 80s. So it's kind of a thing where, you know, even then, like, they couldn't, you know, they were still trapped within, like, the, you know, their particular perspectives trying to depict a society that had advanced far beyond them.
3: Which is why, personally, I care more about having diversity in the writer's room and in the art direction and the directing that I do, actually, in the characters in the cast.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if you have one, you're going to have the other, right? Well, yeah,
3: that's true. But yeah. also, I mean, if you, you can have, you know people, you know, people of color, you know, on your show, you can handle these things. But if you don't have people who, you know, are informing camera angles and the lighting and, you know, at this time, also the type of film being used in the cameras, because this was pre-digital. If you don't have people, you know, involved in the writer's room, it's going to go very wrong.
4: I mean, that's what's so great about sci-fi, right? Is that you can use, you know, this alien race as a metaphor for racism or what, you know, like the Mm X-Men. You don't even, um, I mean, you still need to, you should still have representation on the show, but you can kind of expand beyond that. Mm -hmm.
3: Like the Star Trek, the original series episode, where the people who are white on one side of their face and black on the other side of the face are racist against the people who have the same face as them, but it's the left and right are flipped. And I just hit the microphone twice. I apologize. (laughs) Because I was gesturing in ways that you can't see.
0: (laughs) Was that the episode that had Frank Gorshin from uh, Batman? I don't know actors. Okay, you know what? I just think I think am just flashing back to because uh, Frank Gorshin, who played the Riddler on the Batman series, I think also was one of the uh, was one of those members.
3: That was a real episode. There was someone who was like black on white side of his face and white on the other, and they were uh, races against their mirror images.
4: That sounds that's that sounds like a high school play like was it that tone deaf <laughs> like w- did it fall on its face or was it actually done really for well? for
0: 1960 for network tv 1965 66 i think that was maybe what they could get they could get away with or i don't know it was
3: well the, they were obviously showing this is stupid the mm-hmm. whole point was oh you're being you're hating each other over this this is this you know your appearance mm-hmm. this is the stupidest thing ever right yeah. That that was good at least
1: It is obvious to the most simple-minded that loci is of an inferior breed. The obvious visual evidence, Commissioner, is that he is of the same breed as yourself. Are you blind, Commander Spock? (laughs) Look at me. Look at me. You're black on one side and white on the other. I am black on the right side.
0: fail to see the
1: significant difference Loki is white on the right all of his people are white on the right side
2: i mean one thing that was weird i've watched a bunch of uh, early uh, star trek original series not that long ago and one thing i thought was weird about that is that they were being like super enlightened about all that stuff right you know the crew is you know, multiracial, there's even a Russian on there, and, you know, etc. But, like, in a really weird particular way, the gender roles seemed to be, like, stuck in the time that it was written. And the weird thing about that was, was that how that manifested was that, like, it really seemed like in Starfleet, in, like, a hundred years or whatever, however long it was supposed to be after, after the show was coming out, you know, women were, like, just starting to be officers and stuff. Like, like was kind of... The sense I always got for the show, you know, you have like the few, there was the yeoman or whatever, but like hardly anybody is like, like that, that seemed like a really weird failure of imagination. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I think that in the, uh, in the pilot for the original series where you had, um, I don't know if they were married yet, but you had Gene uh, Roddenberry's eventual wife, Major Barretts. She was the executive officer. She was she was number one, um, you know, second in command of the entire ship. And at some point, like I think they made this in like '64. Like, there are like lines of dialogue that are still kind of the um, like, strangely testy about you know this captain about the. Um, You know, there were some strangely gendered comments that were still there. That you think, wait a minute, this is—you know—this is your first officer that you served with for, you know, for ostensibly, you know, X number of years. You would not be saying that, but
1: she's replacing your former yeoman, sir. She does a good job, all right. It's just that I can't get used to having a woman on the bridge. No offense, Lieutenant. You're different, of course.
0: It's 1964, <laughs> and this is a pilot. coffee. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, we are running out of time. What, is there anything else that anybody particularly wanted to hit, or Don, anything you want to cover? Do we want to just
3: briefly go over a certain episode, like either uh, Clive Buckman or uh, Jose Chung? Because those are, like, great.
0: Can you give a quick, uh, just a quick synopsis of the first Jose Chung uh, episode? Rashomon. That's not the way i remember it.
3: <laughs> so you've got all these different versions of what happened. Oh, okay. Through, which is, there's this Japanese movie called Rashomon. Okay. Which yeah, is, I think I remember this. Yeah. yeah where it's this thing where, like, you can... In, in, the original, in the original Rashomon film, you can kind of follow the narrative. You can go, like, yeah, these people give me stories, but I know what's going on until the last story is told, and then you realize that there is no way to make sense of this. And, uh, and most times, people are co- copying the whole Rashomon formula they don't really get that part of the narrative, but I think uh in Jose Chung they did. Yeah, so Jesse Ventura is in it, which is fun. And,
0: and Alex Jesse? and Alex Trebek. And Alex Trebek. Without yeah. a mustache. Yeah.
3: And one of the uh and you've got Detective Manners in it, which is a reference to Kim Manners.
4: And I'm capable of more than just critique, but um when he's interviewing the the girl who is it's you know, um
0: the witness or something or like the
4: it's she's like a teenage girl and the boy says that they were abducted by aliens and so but scully just suspects that it was a, like a sexual assault case mm-hmm. the way that Mulder handles the whole thing is just like absolutely terrible yeah like he's not it's like the the way that you imagine police to how you shouldn't treat victims of of sexual abuse or, or that type of thing right i remember that standing out to me course jesse ventura there's a well this is bad radio but on kumail nanjiani on his podcast i think darren morgan says that he he and david du were talking to jesse ventura and they kind of make a statement about wrestling being fake and then at that time i think they were like bound by contract not to admit anything like that so then mm-hmm. jesse ventura has to kind of puff up just like well i don't know what you're talking about and just you know and and Darren Morgan and David guys like what are you talking about it's obviously fake and then Jesse Ventura doesn't really know what to do about it and so he just kind of dismisses it in the best way that he can
0: which is which is weird because that's that's this this was this was like this was the attitude era where even Vince himself was on went on screen talking about in broke kayfabe and broke character and whatnot but yeah Jesse's the diehard
2: even the former leader of your United States of America James Earl Carter Jr. I thought he saw a UFO once, but it's been proven he only saw the planet Venus. I'm a Republican. Venus was at its peak brilliance last night. You probably thought you saw something up in the sky other than Venus. But I assure you, it was Venus.
0: Mm-hmm. the uh, the one person who wanted to form who wanted to unionize pro wrestlers except uh Hulk Ho Hogan snitched him out to uh McMahon Man got him fired.
3: I like the D&D guy from this episode. Which one was he? Oh, he's the one who was filming the alien autopsy and he's got the room where he's got just like a little mattress on the floor and he's like <laughs> And you know Jose Chung's like how how are you able to like withstand all this and he's just like
2: well hey, i didn't spend all those years playing dungeons and dragons and not learn a little something about courage.
0: Oh yeah, the uh, the um, like the nerdy guy they interview. Roswell, Roswell,
4: Roswell, right. And then uh, there's the famous yip that uh, that uh, comes out of Mulder when they've uncovered the body in that last scene.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a bleeping dead alien body. If I ever bleep and saw one,
4: he does that's like a real a, dead bleeping alien. Yeah, that's a real. Oh, that's right. The, the, uh, yeah, using the
3: the bleep. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they couldn't swear yet, so they're doing the whole like fake censorship thing.
0: Uh, ben, uh, any comments on, uh, that you have on this particular episode? The uh, the first uh, we should bring, and we should mention the the actor portraying Jose Chung was Match Game star Charles Nelson Reilly. And then I think he, I can't remember, I think he won an award for either this one or the second one, the uh, second appearance, but I can't remember which one. And it's one of those things, if you've ever seen, like, uh, even like, uh, like, if you don't know who Charles Nelson Riley is, you have seen memes of him, if not, like, clips, because he was the very, not all that closeted member of the panel on uh, Match Game, you know, Match Game and Match Game 73. And
1: Notice the spelling of this is right, I think. Bar Mitzvah! <laughs>
2: All right so you happen to have bar mitva but that's, uh, that's the
0: hungarian version that's, <laughs> and that kind of a thing
2: yeah i don't know so one one interesting thing about the, i was thinking about the episode and you know it is one of my favorites and i mentioned bad blood earlier which is uh which is another favorite of mine which and both of those are episodes that are structured around different people like remembering things in very different ways and i i'm wondering why I'd, I like that so much, you know, on the x files, and I think I think part of the reason is well, I mean, part of it's just that they're both very like, they're both very funny episodes, right like they and like the x files was not was not always funny, but when it was it usually worked for me, but also like I think that there's something about normally there's like a little pretense that you don't know what's going on, but basically like whatever Mulder thinks is true is gonna turn out to be right. Uh, and so it 's kind of fun with something like Jose Chung where it 's like really genuinely totally unclear what 's going on
4: yeah, for me, this show was very much character driven that 's why I kept watching it, even though you know people say like everybody except me, the later seasons were just terrible. Um, I just watched it because I love the two of them so much the you know the story the story arc was really secondary to what it was that mm-hmm. I wanted to see
0: on the show did you mm-hmm. um, going, uh, go, you know taking just taking the the temperature of going on did you all prefer the the kind of the monster of the week one offs or the the kind of like the, the when they were to try to do like season long story arcs the kind of like continuing story the stuff that just seemed just to be there to advance like the conspiracy story of that particular se- uh, Yeah, season
2: monster of the weeks by a mile for me like i mean there were some really like it's not that there weren't any myth arcs episodes that i like there there are a bunch that i liked but the but looking back on it all of the like all the episodes that i ever like sort of feel the impulse to go rewatch watch monster of the weeks
4: yeah. yeah likewise and it might be because the story arc was so was poorly handled so maybe in a different world where you have a successful X Files that have a that has a consistent story, it might have been better. But the I think you were just likely to get a cleaner episode with strong characters, strong dialogue, with just the mm-hmm. monster of the week, mm-hmm. freak of the week.
3: Yeah, at the time I preferred the Myth Arc episodes because I used to be able to. If anyone was like, "Oh, that doesn't track with the myth," they would be like, "Oh, actually, if you've seen this episode, <laughs> remember the thing, the train car, and the... Public, you, this actually all makes sense." <laughs> so I was really into them at the time, but in retrospect, definitely the Monster of the Week
0: episodes. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, I'm also I'm reminded of um, again an, the, uh, another series of uh, that had to do with recurring, that had uh, uh, that had creature feature aspects to its core was both new and classic Doctor Who. Where you'd you know you'd have kind of these little you know Classic things where especially In the older Ciro era where you have like Just four little 20 minute episodes Which would be like one of the most classic things That you'd ever want to see in your life Versus say some of the stuff now where They'll try to have like again season long Arcs and with little and Some stuff it's, it can kind of stand on its own Some stuff is continuing that just doesn't You know it doesn't pack the punch Let's see, I think we have covered damn near everything. Is there anything, anything left that in the turn we have left unstoned?
4: Unstoned. Um, Scully deserves way better than Mulder. They end up, they end up getting together, mm-hmm. um, and he's just a shitty, shitty partner throughout the series. He like abandons her. He doesn't believe the shit that she says. He's kind of dismissive. He abandons her a lot, and he's, you know, she gets abducted, and he goes and bangs some vampire lady. Um, he's just a, he's just a crappy, crappy partner, you know, and she just deserves a whole lot better. I really became obviously sympathetic towards
0: her. It was a partner in, the, yeah, in, in multiple senses of the term.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause like she
3: takes care of him and and like her entire thing is like his thing. Right. And he's not, you're know, reciprocating it anyway, which is not great. Yeah. Yeah. And also in Humbug, she actually put a real cricket in her mouth and then they made it like a palming trick. In the in the episode, that was terrible. Yeah, she didn't swallow. I mean, I, you know, but she she actually did take a credit and just went okay. Well,
4: we really got to sit her down and be like, girlfriend. Yeah, you deserve way better. <laughs> you deserve way better. It's been night it It's been eleven seasons. Eleven years <laughs> of this shit. <laughs>
0: I one thing watching the episodes again, again because I'm, I'm, I'm visiting the show a lot of the show for the first time. I'm struck by how, at least in the, especially in the Darren Morgan episodes, which were considered to be almost like the comedy episodes, is, um, because of the fact that they're both agents and both relative, especially Duchovny's delivery is very like you know, agent. Uh, the FBI agent fed Blues Brothers type like Deadpan, which you can get, uh, you, and especially the two of them interacting, you can get, you just get a lot of, like a lot of good comedy out of the two of them. Just like a, you know, just kind of like utterly just being Deadpan or kind of like almost. Take you know, encountering some w- new weird wild shit, and either rolling their eyes at it or just kind of like shrugging it off and taking it in turn. I'm like, okay, well, that's what we're doing with today. All right, I think. L- last but not least, normally on our show we have uh, recommendations and endorsements. If anybody has anything that they were digging on lately and want to endorse, I think let's for this one let us um, let's customize it a little bit. And if there was a couple episodes that you would you could tell pe- that you would really want folks who either haven't seen them before or haven't seen them in yet. God, almost twenty years. No, more than twenty years now. Jesus, we're so fucking old. Which ones could you? Would you recommend folks check out?
4: Um, so the Darren Morgan episodes are really good. Bad Blood's really good. Postmodern Prometheus is good. Oh, I good. love that episode. Yeah, Triangle is good because they smooch, um, which was deeply satisfying for me as a teenager. Um, and plus, it's kind of it's like kind of like a period period piece episode uh what else the the flops what's it called forehead sweat that's a good episode werewolf uh, is a good episode there's one where there's like barely any dialogue and it's a new one it's in season 11 and uh it's just like they're basically attacked by technology and it's really kind of a throwback to the more creative writing that they had throughout the series so those are all great episodes in my opinion
3: yeah those plus
2: also Dehan hand de the substitute episode yeah. That was one of the ones I was going to mention. There's
3: one other I really like, but I can't think of it right now, so I'll, I'll pass it
0: to you. Ben, you want to go? Okay.
2: Yeah, I mean, the handy Verlettes was the one the one that I was going to do. Uh, that, was, that was absolutely fantastic. The uh, the, the PTA Satanists. <laughs> uh, the, the postmodern Prometheus is also really good. I've talked a lot about Bad Blood. Let's see. There's a, there's a weird episode that I just... Oh, Small Potatoes. Um, small Potatoes?
4: Yes, that's the one where Darren Morgan acts in. I don't think he... He, he's, he plays the rapist. The guy who can shapeshift and oh, he gets all yeah, those ladies that's pregnant. A, yeah, that rapist episode's a really good episode.
2: <laughs> yeah, it is. That's a, a line you don't hear often. Uh. <laughs> nope. One episode I, I just happened to watch like a year or two ago, because uh, I vaguely remembered it from when it was on, was one... Uh, in the sixth season, that Duchovny actually wrote, called uh, "The Unnatural." Yeah, the one
4: which, about the alien baseball uh,
2: player. Yeah, yeah, the alien baseball player. I remember because uh, Duchovny had actually written a novel, which was—I I will admit that I read. I was curious. Uh, <laughs>
0: you've, you've bought it. You've bought his albums, haven't you?
4: <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to answer that, Ben. Don't let Jeremy uh, push you around.
2: I, I have not actually done that, but <laughs> I did. Uh, but I will admit to reading the novel, which. Which was okay. Like, it was, like, if he if he was just a normal person, he would have had to, like, get it, like, much better edited, and like, it would have been a lot better. But it was okay. But that had a lot to do with baseball, and I remember, I remember when I read it, thinking, oh, yeah, didn't he write an X-Files episode that was all about baseball? And I, I went back to it, and it was interesting. It was kind of fun. Is, he's really into baseball as a person.
4: But that episode was weird. It's like it's it tries to touch on race, but then the guy ends up being an alien, so it's like kinda doned death a little bit. I don't know. I'd have to go back and watch it and really analyze it. But it was just it, it's hard to mix to try to have kind of nuanced dialogue about race when uh-huh. you're your 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 main character's a fucking alien, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't I think the probably a really creative guy. I'm not sure if he's that creative.
2: Sure. Uh, I guess one other one that comes to mind that I liked a lot was the uh, the one in the very first season that was kind of an homage to the thing. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, is it the lady, the cave lady? No, it's the, uh, uh, it might have just been called Ice or The Ice. Oh, yeah, there was an episode called Ice. Okay.
4: Um, oh, gosh, I'm trying to, I'm struggling to remember. I struggle with the early seasons because they weren't as good, and so I don't feel as compelled to go back and watch those a bunch
2: yeah, in, yeah, the, it, the Dead's, like the good. There are good episodes from those seasons, but there are a lot fewer per season.
4: Yes, yeah.
0: That's like Star Trek. It takes like two seasons to get for them to really figure out what the hell they're doing with uh, with their cast.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a two parter called Dreamland. That's the one where Mulder switches his body with. Uh,
2: yes, this yes. Kind where of they, they reveal that made, they made
4: up Saddam Hussein. Yeah, right, right. And then the episode where uh, they um, it's just a cops episode. is called X Cops. Oh, and the Lone Gunman episodes. Oh, yeah,
3: they're great. They're amazing. Yes.
0: And they're, you know, they're an entire, again, very much just a relic of, like, 90s nineties uh, conspiracy culture. The only one I really recommend is going to be uh, Clive Buckman's Final Repose, the uh, the Peter Boyle episode Darren Morgan, Darren Morgan wrote in uh, in the third season. Yeah.
3: There's a Lone Gunman episode. Uh, Was it? Actually, the X-Files was that weird failed uh, spin off that they did where they had the early, you know, computer convention when they got together and first met each other.
4: Oh, uh, Because you would like no, that, I Jeremy. remember, yeah.
3: Yeah. I might have been really on a show. that yeah. On like a show. That. Yeah. I think it was I feel on like show. That was still
2: the X-Files. Yeah. Yeah,
3: so it it's this r- really well done, you know, guys playing Dig Dug in the background. <laughs> very, very early days. Computers, hackers, phone freaks, your Kung Fu, superior stuff.
0: 2600. Yeah, all 2600 culture. Yeah. Awesome Alright, and that pretty much is it for the uh for the show Anything y'all want to plug Or have folks get uh, ways for folks to get in touch with you
4: I, I can go first Lizzo's new album is the
0: shit Alright
1: I do my head toss Check my nails Baby, how you feeling? Head toss Check my nails Baby, how you feeling? Ooh, child, Tired of the bullshit Gone, dust your shoulders off come now, come dry your eyes you know you star you can touch the i know that hard but you have to try if you need advice let me
0: Donovan, do you want to go
3: i'm a photographer i have a website called Dorkvania.com and i'm working on a couple of projects right now one of which involves w- walking all of portland because photographers copy each other really gran- granularly and i'm trying to break out of that and as for something I'm kind of jamming on, since I talk so much about this really bad representation of trans people, I'd like to recommend the episode The Darkness by ContraPoints, uh, which is a trans person talking about making fun of trans people and how to do it, basically. <laughs> it, she does this really interesting breakdown of humor. She doesn't actually take the position that punching down is bad. She actually goes more nuanced than that. It's about half hour. It's really good.
0: Mm-hmm. Find that on YouTube. Yes. Uh, ben? I mean you're pretty much you're 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 in the middle you're back to uh, you're back to, to to academic life so I guess you're otherwise occupied.
2: Uh yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, been been keeping busy doing that, the writing the stuff for Jack Ben, but uh I don't know, let's say I really like this TV show the X-Files. has that come up yet?
0: Um I think we 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 mentioned it briefly. What's it about? Okay. Yeah. It's good. Cool. Uh, anything? Well, is there anything of your own stuff you, you want to plug or have folks uh, get in touch with you, or just you know, no, that's, just copy that's, and paste from last time?
2: That, that's fine. I, I, I feel like I, I have I have plugged my own stuff on this particular podcast uh, at excruciating length in the past. You know, just go see that episode.
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, we just yeah I'll I'll put a link to the the previous one so like all the credits will be the same. Um, yeah, then all I got to say is once again, uh, thank you all for uh, for. Taking, God, two hours of this stuff so, for taking the time on a uh, today's a Wednesday, yeah it's Wednesday it's Wednesday yes Wednesday yes um, I don't know what time is anymore and uh, real quick it's as always folks out there if you have any questions comments or suggestions as to uh, good uh, Korean places to eat if you are listening to this uh, either in Southeast Asia or in Eastern Europe because I know that you are out there. Or anywhere place else in the world, please drop us a line uh, or even a comment on the SoundCloud. And, like, let us know how the hell you possibly found us, because uh, I've seen those download numbers and we get out there. I mean, forty-seven downloads from Estonia, and like, I don't know how that works. Anyway, the, the contact the contact email is giving the mic at uh, As because we're a leftist podcast, we of course have a Patreon. Help us support doing this thing where you know just a little as a dollar a month can uh, can really go a long way in helping to cover things like uh, you know. Band with and hosting and all that go to patreon.com slash giving the mic that is pretty much all I have to push Uh, final words from anybody and if not the uh, truth
2: is out there I was just going to make that joke
0: anyway uh, thanks a lot everyone and good night Good night. good night
1: it's Sunday night so smart he's abducted my heart and i'm falling apart from the looks i receive from those eyes i can't leave well you can say i'm naive but he told me to believe I'm telling you, I saw a creature from another planet. Maybe you
4: just dreamed it.
1: Oh, yeah? Well, when I came to, I was covered with a sticky
0: translucent goo. Explain that. More sausage?
1: <laughs> Dad, according to Junior Skeptic Magazine, the chances are hundred and seventy-five million to one of another form of life actually coming in contact with ours. So? It's just that the people who claim they've seen aliens are always pathetic lowlifes with boring jobs. Oh. And you, Dad? Eh. No. I am the thing from Uranus.
0: <laughs> oh, it's Bart. I can't believe it. I'm being marked by my own children on my birthday. It's your birthday? Yes. Remember, it's the same day as the dogs.
1: Santa's little helper, it's your birthday? Oh, we got to get you a present. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We love you, boy. Good doggy. Good doggy. Lousy, lovable dog.